Good morning, everyone. <laughs> All right. Um, to start, I was born and raised in a Christian home, and I've been going to Lakeside for my whole life. As I grew up, I was taught and shown God's unconditional love for me. I accepted Jesus into my heart when I was very young, excited to know that Jesus loved me so much that he died for me, and all I had to do to be with him was put my faith in him alone. Throughout elementary school and middle school, I continued to grow in my faith and love for Christ. Once seventh grade came around, I was able to join youth group and began learning even more things about the God I had fallen in love with at such a young age. I was able to boldly live out my faith by talking with friends and by serving on small mission trips or retreats provided through the youth group. As freshman year of high school rolled around, I had made the volleyball team and was able to enter a bigger and more intimidating atmosphere with a pretty decent amount of friends. People began to notice me, and I decided that was something I liked and longed for. God soon began began slipping down my list of priorities as I continued to believe that this was Brooke's world now. I pushed God into the background and only brought him into play when I found it convenient. God quickly let me know that this was not at all okay. More towards the middle of my freshman year, I had received the news that my best friend was diagnosed with cancer. I was upset and confused at why God would allow this to happen to someone I was so close to. After wrestling with God through all the confusion and anger, he soon began to show me that I was going to have to take my own little world and put it back into his hands where it belonged. He was now in control, and I had to trust in and cling to him. At first, it was really hard to see, it was really hard seeing a friend that I considered a sister go through so much pain and sickness. But God continued to remind me that he knew exactly what he was doing. God continued to comfort me, and I, in return, continued to back up my faith in him. Little did I know he was preparing me for more trials to come. Not long after that, we had received the news that my grandma was diagnosed with cancer for the second time. But this time, instead of having to wrestle with God, he had given me a peace that I wasn't so familiar with. I was filled with joy when I felt this peace, knowing that there was no way on earth that God was going to let me slip away from him again. Trials continue to make their way to me even through this past year, but God continues to remind me that his love is true and his promises will stand firm. In John 16.33, God tells us, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Many people say that God will only give you as much as you can handle in life, but I have to disagree with this. I believe God will always give you more than you can handle because it will force you to cling and draw even nearer to him. This has been so true in my life. After all of this, I am able to stand here in front of all of you today and publicly proclaim my faith and love for Christ. I'm excited to see what crazy things God is going to do next in my life, knowing that this is only beginning, the beginning of a story for me. And I can say, Brooke, it's been a real privilege to watch as you've given your world back to God and, and given him control over it, just to see how you've also grown in leadership in the youth group, how you lead us regularly in worship here at church. And we're just thrilled to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit this morning. Next up, Ashley Emick is going to come share her testimony. Good morning. Um, my name is Ashley Emick, for those of you who don't know me. Um, I was born and raised in a Christian home, and I've been attending Lakeside my whole life. As a child, I went to church every Sunday and loved it. It was fun learning memory verses and singing songs. I accepted Christ when I was about six or seven and never really, never really understanding what a true relationship with Jesus was or what accepting Christ was about. I just knew it was um, a way to get to heaven and that God loved me. Um, throughout my life, my faith was pretty strong. It wasn't until seventh grade that it changed. I began to hang out with not the best influences of friends at school. I stopped reading my Bible and praying and just fell into sin. I became insecure about myself and the way I looked and tried to figure out my problems on my own. 
I began to ignore God and followed what I thought was right. I became a I became good at hiding my emotions and putting on an act of a good, strong Christian girl. When in reality, I was broken and um, and lost. I became lazy in my faith, stubborn, proud, and took my life into my own hands. I still went to youth group and church. I was convicted at points, but never really did anything. My faith in God became weaker when my grandma was diagnosed with cancer again, and my cousin unexpectedly passed away. I didn't understand why God would allow all this to happen, but the smallest part of me still believed that God had a plan and a purpose um, for everything and that he was in control. I became frustrated with God. One night, I was sitting in my room crying and yelling at God in my head. That night, um, he showed me that what I was doing was wrong and not pleasing to him. I became ashamed and embarrassed and thought, how could God ever forgive me and love me after everything I've done? I thought I could fix my problems by doing good things and changing what I was doing. By that point, my faith was like a constant roller coaster. It had its high points and its low points. It wasn't until SVR of this past year when Michael Lamp was teaching and telling us this story about a boy who was sledding. After a while, he got cold and found a cabin. He went inside and got warm and was taken care of by the man inside. The boy looked out the window and saw a huge hill, so he went and sled down the hill. It was fun the first time, but after a while, he got tired and went back to the cabin. He was taken care of by the man and warmed up again. But he still looked outside again and saw an even bigger hill. So he went down the hill again, and it was awesome the first time, but got tired again. So he went back to the house and was taken care of. He looked out the window and saw that there was nothing left for him to sled down. He realized how foolish he was for wasting his energy and time on the hills. When Michael finished, he told us no matter how um, bad we sin or how many times we mess up, God will always love us and forgive us. We just need to pray and ask for it. Even though I had heard it a million times, it just really clicked. Everything from youth group, Dare to Share, and SVR just came together and made sense. After that, I turned my whole life around. I read my Bible and prayed every day. I realized that no matter what I do, God will forgive me and love me. Also knowing that God has a plan for my life and he is in control of everything is just so comforting and helps me to be at peace. I decided to get baptized today because um, God calls us to become baptized when we have accepted Christ. And I want to obey God's commands and do what, what God commands me to do and proclaim my faith. So um, I'm not perfect and my faith has never been perfect. And I know that no matter how many times I trip and fall, God will always be there to catch me and put me back on my feet. And I have some verses I'd like to share with you guys. Um, Micah 7, 18 and 19 says, Who is a God like you, who pardons sins and forgives me, uh, forgives the transgressions of the remnant of his in- inheritance? Do not stay angry forever, but you do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread on our sins underfoot and hurl our iniquities into the depths of the sea. And then also... Um, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to pro- prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Thank you. <laughs> and Ashley, it's been exciting to see, as you mentioned, as you were surrounded by people who loved you and taught you the Bible and got you to memorize it, to see what was familiar become personal and for you to take ownership in your faith. And we're just excited this morning to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father God, I'm truly thankful and grateful uh, this morning to um, be able to speak on your behalf. 
uh, to those who are here, Lord, and those who are at home watching. Uh, Lord, I pray that uh, as we... Um, as we turn to you, Lord, uh, that we would continue to exalt in you, uh, to rejoice in, in the truth that we serve a living God who changes hearts, Lord. Lord, we are, uh, I confess, we are uh, a, a wicked people, Lord. We are sinful to the core, and, and Lord, on our own, we are against you, but you, you have fought for us, you have reached out to us, and you have redeemed us and drawn us into a, a relationship with you so that as we can even watch um, Ashley and Brooke testify to the goodness that you've done in their life, Lord, and to be baptized, Lord, we can celebrate knowing that this is a free gift that you offer to all. And so, Lord, I am uh, truly grateful and thankful this morning. I pray that you uh, speak through me, Lord, that your spirit will give me clarity of thought, um, uh, emotional control, Lord, uh, that you would uh, help me to speak forward uh, what you would have for us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, this morning, uh, just a, a fitting um, title for a morning such as this, Christ Our Joy, um, I think is just, uh, I don't know, my, my heart is overwhelmed with joy right now, and I, I hope yours is as well. Uh, after a service like that, um, you know, if you're not full of joy, you need to do a little heart checkup. Um, God is, is moving, and, and I... And I hope that you see that what God is doing and has been testified of this morning is, is something that he offers and extends to you. And as we've been going through Philippians and we've been looking at how uh, Christ is such a, uh, a huge part of, of our daily life and existence and what he has done for us and then celebrating the resurrection uh, last week and seeing that he is, um, he is everything uh, to us. It is, it is so important that we, we focus on this. And the, today we'll be in Philippians um, chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. And, and as I um, was thinking through the passage, uh, I read something this week that, that began like everything, just takes me way off on tangents. And I kind of landed on this, uh, remind, remembering a time when... Um, with several of the, the men in this church, uh, you know, when it comes time for one to get married, it's always interesting to see what we do in Christian bachelor parties, um, you know, and go out and have a good time. It's normally it's do something, you know, uh, dangerous and stupid, shoot paintballs at each other or something. But one time the groups chose to do whitewater rafting and I had never done that um, <clears throat> and probably will never do it again. And, uh, you know, here, uh, Sometimes when I, when I do stuff like this, I, I like to, you know, get over the fear as, of, of whatever as fast as possible. So uh, I was uh, riding in, in, the, in the first rapids. Of course, they coach you and tell you the proper things to do in the boat. And, uh, and, and like, if you're going to fall, cover the, 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 the paddle in such a way so you don't poke somebody's eye out and, and then tuck and roll. And so I'm listening to everything they say, but I'm like, the first rapid's not supposed to be that bad. So... Um, when we go around and we surf the rapids, if this is one to fall out on, it'd be fine just to, to fall out and, and get over it. And, and Michael Seppi's still mad at me because I decided to fall out and take him with me right into the rapids. And it was, it was crazy. It was so fun and, and, and exciting, you know, but then swimming back to the boat and it was, it was, it was exhausting, but it was, it was fun. It was worth it. And I got to tackle Michael, so that was even better. And, uh, but, uh, but then we come to the next one, and, and I, I fall out again, somewhat on purpose. Didn't want to struggle too hard, and I fell in, and, and then swam back to the boat. And, and then I started realizing how tired I was getting from swimming upstream, trying to get into this boat, crawling around, and um, and then the next 
Well, just to summarize the rest of the trip, there's about seven other times that I fell out. I think I have the record for most times into the, the water. But in, uh, in that, I, I began to see something that in the stream, as you're trying to get back to the boat, um, it's, it's tiring and exhausting. And all I wanted to do was just quit and let go. And then all of a sudden I would get swept further and further down, away from the boat, away from the safety. Um, Sometimes it was kind of fun. There's a lazy river part that was just enjoyable, but then there's a lot of rapids. That's what you go for. Uh, The one time, though, I was, uh, again, I I remembered everything they told us as far as safety, but probably should have just listened to stay in the boat and we'd have been better. Um, But the one time they said, if you get caught up in the rapids that are so overwhelming, um, and this, you know, class five rapids, don't fight it. Just get in the fetal position and wait, and you'll pop up. Because the tendency is to struggle and struggle and struggle, and then it, it takes you further and further down. And, and, uh, and as, I, as I was thinking about this, this story and this, this uh, truth that today we're going to read in the passage, you're going to hear a, a, a phrase, in the Lord or in Christ. And, and uh, our joy is in Christ. Well, joy on that trip was really like in the boat. Being in the water wasn't joyful. That was Scary and dangerous, and, uh, and, and really, you know, the life flashing uh, before your eyes and, and all those things, just uh, getting stuck underneath the boat and just all this thing. It was wrong, and I was fighting uh, to swim, and it was exhausting. But then having somebody reach down and pull you back in and, uh, and to find that safety. And I, what I want you to think about today is there's safety in Christ. There's joy in Christ. There's peace in Christ. And both Ashley and Brooke testified today of joy and peace in Christ, uh, in their life, and, and things that they weren't expecting, then the hope and the joy that they have, knowing that God is who he says he is, and God will do what he says he will do. And, uh, and we have this, this, this battle that we're waging, and, and when we do our own thing, we're, we're in the water, swimming uh, against the flow, and we need to be rescued, and Christ is our, our rescue. So let's, uh, let's read the passage this morning in uh, Philippians 4, 1 through 9. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So here as we, uh, we enter chapter 4, Paul is uh, <clears throat> encouraging and exert, exhorting the um, the Philippians, in conclusion uh, of his, his, um, his book on joy. And as we remember in uh, Paul writing Philippians, Paul was under house arrest. He was imprisoned, and he was one who has uh, suffered many trials and tribulations, and yet he writes a book 
in prison about joy, to be joyful. And it gets a perspective. And when we think about Paul's life, literally being chained 24 hours a day to a Roman soldier who he could then say, I'm in prison, I'm chained, but I have joy. I have joy because Christ is risen. Christ is king. Christ is the Lord of lords. He is my hope. He is my peace. And it's not about circumstance. And that's a huge, if you're reading Philippians and coming out with, it doesn't matter my circumstance, it matters that Christ reigns, that Christ is alive. He sits on the throne in heaven and I can trust him. And and Paul is writing and he's, he's kind of coming to a conclusion here. Although Paul will say finally and, and concluding remarks, but then continue to go on for several verses. So, uh, uh, but he, uh, just, just kind of like when I try to close a sermon, I just keep going. And, um, and, the, and Paul did this. He's like, he's closing here in, in the beginning of chapter four, but continues on. And, uh, and, and he is talking about joy. And a passage in 1 Peter 1, 8, Peter also encourages us about joy. Though you, it says, in, uh, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The joy that we have in Christ, in him, is inexpressible joy. It's that joy that, that, that comes up when, when you least expect it, and it sustains you, and it holds you. It's in the times that, at the greatest and highest points of life, that you are celebrating and worshiping God, and it's that time when life is caving in and coming down on you, and you have no idea what to do. That joy sustains you and says, God is there. Um, and it was great, even uh, just a few weeks back in Sunday school, we were talking about Christ our joy and hearing testimonies of God uh, filling our, our hearts and our minds when we, we needed it most. And um, John Piper, he defined joy in this. Joy in Christ is the deep, good feeling of believing in him as reliable and loving him as precious. Joy in Christ is the deep, good feeling of believing. That's faith in Christ and loving him as precious. That he is, again, who he says he is, and he will do what he says he will do. This is what uh, joy comes from, that faith and love in Christ. And so I want you to keep that in your mind as we look at three points in this passage this morning that are so important. It's fundamental and foundational that you know who Jesus Christ is, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he was born of a virgin, lived a perfect, sinless life, that he willingly went to the cross and shed his blood for our sins. He paid a debt he didn't know and one that we could not pay. And he shed his blood on that cross and he was buried. And three days later, he rose again from the dead. That he resurrected and he offers a free gift of salvation to not trust in your own goodness, not trust in your own righteousness, but to trust in the one who paid it all. And he he offers and extends it. And those who believe in him and love him and have faith in him can then therefore fight the battle for joy. If you don't know Christ, if you're not in that deep, committed relationship with Christ, you're going to constantly be struggling with joy. Those who follow and walk uh, with Christ, it's still a battle. We still fight daily uh, for it. And so I encourage you to think about who is Christ to you? Who do you say that Jesus is and have you placed your faith and trust in him? But the first part here, he starts on talking about, about joy. Verse 1, uh, he says to the people who... I love you. I long to be with you. You're my joy, my crown. Stand firm in the Lord. He's like, uh, I want to. I want to end here, but I want you to to stand firm. Take all the things that I've taught you and spoken to you about, and stand firm in the Lord. Again, that's like in the boat, swimming against the the current. The safest place is in the boat. That's in Christ. And then he begins with verse two. I entreat Yodia and entreat Syntyche. 
can't say her name, sorry, to agree in the Lord. Uh, he starts right off in a passage, a clo- concluding marks in a book about joy, he, and then closing remarks on joy, he goes right to conflict. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> um, what is going on? Like, this is, nobody likes conflict. Nobody likes to fight. But you know, the thing is, is the Bible is very relevant and real to everyday life. And this is an issue that uh, gospel and everyday life collide right here. And, and I think he gives us a few points here, and I want to just uh, look at a few from this passage and, uh, and a couple others really, just uh, because it is so important that we battle for the unity that God has given us. That the un- unity in Christ, that Christ is the ultimate goal, not winning, not losing, Christ is. When we get Christ, we are united, and, uh, and we, we, uh, we focus on that. And, uh, and so I, I believe he's, he's, again, bringing gospel and real life together in joy. That if we believe in Christ and we have joy in Christ, it's going to shape how we uh, encounter uh, conflict. And here's a few things here in this, this verse. I want to start with the first thing in uh, verse 3. He says about these two women whose names are in the book of life. He said... Let, the thing about these two women who are in this church, this church, by the way, is doing, uh, Philippians is doing amazing things. It's a wonderful church, loving church, and, and growing church, and God is doing some amazing things in Philippians, but here's, here's some conflict here, and he says, their names are written in the book of life. Uh, they are saved. They are Christians. They are believers. They are following Christ, and so reminds us that as Christians, we sometimes make mistakes and get in conflict. It doesn't mean we're not Christians. It means we're human and sinners and we need a Savior. And we need to be reminded that we are saved. And then he talks about they, they partnered with me in the gospel together. They, they, they served Christ. These are saved, serving, and sisters. Saved, serving, sisters. These are the ladies we're talking about. And, and I, as I was reading this, it's like something to remember when conflict arises is that we're family. We should fight like a family. Fair family fights. Sometimes they're not so fair. But uh, and in family, that these are people that I love, and they are more important than the issues that I'm fighting about. And he wants to remind them to uh, agree in the Lord. This is the same phrase that he uses uh, just in, in chapter two when he says, "Being of the same mind." Um, and so let's read chapter two, just a few verses at the beginning. It says. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. This is the same phrase. In the Greek, it's the same word structure and order. And it's very clear. He's drawing back to chapter 2. This is what I want these two ladies to focus on. And, uh, and so there's a few things uh, uh, that I think are so important here, that we remember whom we are in conflict with, that there are brothers and sisters in Christ. This is within the church, and that they are serving, and that not to discount that, but to celebrate that, and then to have the same mind, come back to Christ. Psalm 133.1 says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when the brothers dwell in unity. We need to fight for this unity because it is a testimony. It is a, our joy is made complete when we are in unity with one another. Uh, again, uh, 
John 13, 34 through 5, Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Again, it's like our unity as brothers and sisters in Christ is a testimony to the world of who we serve. And so we want to uh, be very careful with um, how we go about that. When Jesus talks about we need to love God and love our neighbor, he says all the law uh, and the prophets hinge on this, our love for one another. And so this battle for unity is reminding ourselves that we are in, in the same family, that our names are written in, in the book, and we're going to spend eternity with each other. And that's, again, where I love Francis Chan uh, one time was just saying, he was looking at the preacher up on stage, and he says, that's my brother. I'm going to spend eternity with that guy. I love him. And I just, like Francis Chan says it in such a great way, that we should look at one another and say, I love them. I'm spending eternity with them. They're my brother, my sister, and we're going to get through anything. And so as we battle for unity here, our joy is complete when we're in Christ uh, and we are united together. And then uh, we have a battle for our affections. Uh, he says, uh, you know, find my space again. It'd be good to get in the right book. Sorry. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. It's a command to rejoice, to, to celebrate in God, to have uh, your 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 mind, your, your heart set on, on Christ brings joy. It says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. That as Christians, the way we should live our life, the way we should uh, interact with the different things that come into, in, uh, into our lives, the circumstances, that we should be so filled with joy that our affections are, have been changed to the place where we can deal with stuff differently than the world does. So when, when we're dealing with loss or we're dealing with a, a loss of a job or financial struggle, struggles or some uh, car accident or something like our our reaction is different than the world's. And it begins to play in our affections that we um, long for and love Christ to such a place that it changes our affections. Uh, in verse 5 it says, The Lord is at hand that our... Uh, that our affections are changed because we are longing for Christ to return. There's a, a phrase that uh, was often used in the early church called Maranatha, it's come Lord quickly. Uh, they would uh, encourage and greet one another with the coming of the Lord, that the Lord is at hand, that he will return, that he has not forgotten about us, that he, has, he will come and take us to be with him, as he talks about in John 14, that he will uh, take us to the place he has prepared. But we um, have this hope and this um, longing for our returning Savior. There's also another point that he could be making, that not only that Christ is returning, but also that Christ is present. The Lord is at hand. He is here. He is now. That we can be aware of his presence, and that we are walking in such close fellowship with, with Christ that he is part of our everyday life. And I love John chapter 15 for this part of it, because he, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me, and I in him, the same bears much fruit. It is, um, as I like to, to define that passage, it is, is becoming best friends with Jesus. That The more I become friends with Jesus, the more I begin to look like him and talk like him and act like him. Just like I, I have so many friends in my life that even years later from high school, you know, anytime we get together, we don't even have to say words. We know what we're thinking. And we just have that glance and, oh, I know where he's going with that. And, uh, and we, we, we are so much alike in so many ways because we spent so much time together uh, and that's what, what we need with Christ, that our affection is set on Christ, that he is at hand, that he is, he is coming, and I'm watchful and I'm hopeful, but he is also here, and, uh, and I get to celebrate that by um, spending time with him. But he, then he goes to, um, do not be anxious about anything, 
but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. It says, don't be anxious, uh, to fear not. I don't know if you, you sang the, the song as a kid, but uh, it was, why worry when you can pray, trust Jesus, he'll be your stay. And uh, just a little children's uh, lyrics, but it sticks with me all my life. Uh, why worry? Um, you know, it's, we, we have this awesome opportunity to go to the very throne room of God through prayer and the, and the trust that he is the one who is in control. Um, in Matthew 6, Jesus says, you know, don't worry, what is, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to put on. He goes, aren't you more important than the sparrows? And God has, has, has provided for them. Don't worry. By worrying, you're not going to add anything to your life. You're not going to add days to your life. You're actually probably going to lose days by worrying so much with all the stress and stuff that goes on physically. But then you're not going to provide uh, food for your, yourself by worrying. You're not going to provide clothing for yourself by worrying. Worrying gets you nowhere. It's like a rocking chair. It'll give you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere. And, uh, you know, so it's like, don't worry. Jesus says it's not good for you. And that uh, uh, we need to, to focus on who God is. When we worry, we are doubting who God is. We are doubting that God has control. And oftentimes, we become anxious because something we desire is out of control. And we can't control it. And control is like us trying to be little gods running around controlling everything. And we can't do it. We're going to get overwhelmed and we're going to lose it. And then we're going to worry about it. And that's a, it's just this vicious cycle that's going on. And we are supposed to desire Christ. Uh, again, John Piper said this, that we, uh, uh, what we crave, we become. And, and, and the desires that we have will then be played out in our life. And that's what we will become. And, uh, and I, I find that amazing because, well, there's oftentimes that I crave and desire things that I do not want to become like. And, and I have to uh, come to Christ and say, Christ is my goal. Christ is my hope. Christ is my desire. And because of what he's done, that is what I, I want. And if I crave Christ enough, I will become like Christ. And I look to him and I long for him and I want to be with him. And then, uh, so he says that we come to him and pray to this, him. And he says, as we make our, or lift our requests and our prayers to him, says the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And that, that, that surpassing peace, that it's unexplainable. Why am I so calm right now? Doesn't make any sense. I shouldn't be. I, for, there's a few times in uh, driving a car when I was in a few places where, uh, well, one time, shouldn't do this, but... Um, I was driving with one hand, and I was on the cell phone with the other, and uh, I was losing control. And I was, as I was, uh, it was, it was a rainy, wet day, and I was turning off the highway, and uh, my my truck started to tailspin. And I, I'm talking to my buddy of mine, and I'm just, oh, my car is about to tailspin. I'm just going to turn this way and turn that way. And then afterwards, I kind of, I got control, and I pulled over to the side just to, you know look around, make sure nobody's coming at me. And, and my buddy's like, how did you do that? And I was like, how did I do what? How did you remain so calm? I don't know. <laughs> so I was like, I would, God righted my, uh, my truck for me and I just remained calm in that moment. And, and I should have been more scared and I don't drive talking on the cell phone on that turn anymore. Um, <clears throat> But uh, yeah, it was, that, was, that was scary, and, and, and it wasn't until much later that, that God gave me that peace and that control in that moment, or, uh, and, and he, he offers that. But there's, there's other times where um, you know, big family crises are coming up, 
and, uh, and it, it takes everything you have to hold it all together, and, and Christ shows up real, and you know he's real because he's given you a peace that is unexplainable. And, and even in the midst of that, there's a joy knowing that he's the one. It's not, this is the difference between joy and happiness. Uh, happiness, you know, it, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's like joy in many respects, but it's, it can be fleeting. But joy is sustained, and it undergirds you, and it holds you up because it is in Christ Jesus. And this peace that's in Christ Jesus, and uh, we will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Proverbs 4.23 says, uh, To guard your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. And we, we need to really protect our hearts and focus our hearts on the right things. We need to, to focus our hearts on Jesus Christ. And when we are, are caught up in, in life and, and we're pursuing things that aren't Christ, we get uh, caught up in, in the media and what they're telling us we need to be. And, and, and we're looking at uh, our employer and, and trying to lie so I can keep this account open. Or I'm trying to do these other things because this is everything the world's telling me. I'm allowing all this to, go to, to just toss me to and fro. And, and Christ says... Just trust in me. Guard your heart. Get in the boat. Stop swimming against the water and get in the safety of the boat. Quit jumping out and trust me. And then we have, lastly, the battle for the mind. Finally, in verse 8, he says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Just an amazing list here. And uh, if you're ever like, struggling with your, your thoughts in any way, you know, here's a good checklist. Let's, let's start. Is it true? Is it lovely? Is it worth, uh, excellent? Um, uh, is this what I'm thinking about? And I'd have to say, if you're anything like me, uh, it's not all the time. This is not a, you know, I wish that was a constant. And that's my pursuit, my hope, and, I, and, and he has given me this. But I, I did think of something uh, amazing about this. Um, when I look at this passage, there's, there's only one thing that I know of that is always true, is always honorable, is always just, is always pure, is always lovely, is always commendable, is always excellent, and is always worthy of praise. That's a person of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and the writer of Hebrews said it uh, in Hebrews uh, 12, uh, looking to Jesus. Uh, one translation says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. We have this opportunity to fix our eyes daily on Jesus Christ and to think about him, to think about who he is, um, and look into the scriptures and read about him and, and learn from him. And, uh, and he promises that he will be with us in that and, then, and knowing him and knowing the God who's with us. And we need to, to fight for our mind because uh, there's so much out there that is, is, again, waging war against how you think and, and what you love. And uh, 2 Corinthians 10.5 says we need to destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. That's hard work, to take every thought captive. But we do that by fixing our eyes on Christ, our creator, our God. Again, Paul reminds us in um, Romans 12 uh, to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. 
We renew our mind by spending time in God's word and in prayer and asking God and with God's people in the church. And then as we, uh, as we remind ourselves of these and we stay fixed on Jesus and we battle for the way we think and we, we check our thoughts against this list, we can have a, a confidence before God. And uh, in Romans 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Though through him we also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We can have confidence and hope before God, not having to worry about uh, our sins because Christ paid for that. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Therefore, we can stand open-handed, rejoicing, loving, and enjoying God, our Savior, and our King. And so uh, just one couple practical things from this as well. How do we fix our eyes on Jesus? How do I make my mind think about these type of things? And, and one great step is just reading about Jesus in the Gospels. Uh, I oftentimes like to challenge you know, if you read three chapters a day in the Gospels, you'll get through all four Gospels in a month. And the times I do that, and it's something I try to do several times a year, it is amazing. Uh, Jesus will surprise you. He will, it will catch you off guard. There's things that Jesus says that you didn't realize he ever said. And there's, there's characters of Jesus that people have presented that just aren't what the Gospels tell you. And you begin to, to align your thoughts and your thinking about Jesus to what the Scripture says. And it begins to... Uh, He becomes more and more alive and relevant to every day because you're spending time with him. You're getting to know him and and you're you're going then to other passages in scriptures like Colossians that just brings out, this is who Jesus is. He is our God and our King and he is the creator and sustainer of all things. And and if he is this, why am I not thinking about him? God is completely other and and different than us. And I need to, I need to, I could spend the rest of my life trying to think about who he is, and I'll never catch up. I'll never get all of God. His glory is too big and too amazing and too wonderful for us to comprehend. And, uh, and we can pursue this knowledge of him, uh, but we need to on a daily basis. Again, Jesus said, he is the vine, we are the branches. If we abide in him, we will bear much fruit. And it goes again that if we do not abide in him, if we do not remain and read and spend time with him, we are not going to bear fruit. And when we're not bearing fruit, we are, we are going down the river. We're just floating away farther and farther from the boat and we're not going to be able to catch up on our own and we need to cry out to help. And, and the amazing thing is this, is when we're in that place, when we're drifting farther and farther, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9 that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and he will reach out and grab and pull us in. When we're in the boat, when we're in Christ, we have joy, we have hope, we have peace. When we're out of the boat, life is crazy and we're drifting farther and farther. There's, there's, the simple truth is this. There's just one of two things. You're either in the boat, in joy, or you're out of the boat, and you're drifting from Christ. I pray today that you make the choice to be in the boat, to call out to Christ, get in the boat. Christ is our hope. He is our joy. He is our, uh, our everything. And so as we then celebrate a baptism and, and see the joy and, and sing and participate in that, we, we, we are experiencing what it's like to, to be in that boat. And that's just a little taste of what eternity will be, that one day he is going to return and we're going to get to celebrate for all eternity. Let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you so much that uh, we did again see uh, the testimony of you changing life and, and we saw the baptism today, Lord, that, that we can uh, be in that boat, we can be in Christ and we can uh, rejoice and be full of joy. 
Lord, I, I thank you that you promised that all we uh, have to do, Lord, is to trust you, to call out to you and follow you, Lord, and then, uh, Lord, that you will be with us. And, Lord, I pray today for those who are here who may not have chosen to follow Christ, that today might be that day that they see uh, lives that have been surrendered to you, that they might choose to follow Christ, that they might surrender their life to you and experience the joy we have and the forgiveness we have and the hope we have in Christ, Lord. And for uh, those of us who are following Christ, Lord, help us to, uh, to live each and every day um, fixing our eyes on Jesus, Lord, that we will we'll fight the battle for unity, Lord. We will fight the battle for our affections, and we will fight the battle for our mind. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.